is in Jesus. If you will look close at verse number 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole still no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I ask Brother Ronnie if he would to pray for us. be seated. I did tell Miss Darlene today when she asked me if I was dropping you off at the hospital, I did tell her I was taking care of the elders around here. <laughs> and the, um, <laughs> I want to preach a very simple message and um, on the conversation of the Christian. Point your attention back to verse number 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man. We talk a lot about the old man and the new man when we're talking about our day of salvation, our second birth in Christ. And the old man has passed away and behold, all things become new. But specifically here in Ephesians, concerning the former conversation. I think there ought to be a change in the Christian. I'm thankful that I get to be a Christian today. I'm thankful that I've got a God in heaven that Loved me enough to send His only Son, Jesus, down the cross. I'm grateful for the fact that Christianity is an option for the people in the world today. I'm grateful that it's not the hell-bound curse that we all deserve, but we have a way out. And I want to say that all good things in life have boundaries and responsibilities. All good things usually cost you something. All good things have boundaries. And most of the time, with the good comes a greater level of responsibility. You find a good restaurant. Let's take Chick-fil-A, for example. You go in there, and they can be lined. That's one of my favorite places, if you don't know that yet. 
But they'll be lined around the building and still get you out in three minutes with hot food. You go to Burger King, not a soul in the place because nobody's working either. And you do well to get the right, right burger and the right stuff on it. But with Chick-fil-A, if you walk in, what's the difference? They staff their facility. With the greater service they offer, they have to put in place the responsibility of people to get the job done. And with all good things, there comes a, a great level of responsibility. And I, I do believe that the greatest honor that you and I could have is to be considered a Christian. But greater than that is to be a Christian. I was honored the other day at work, and just as an example, I strive everywhere I am to be a Christian. I strive to carry the standard that God will be pleased with here when I'm at work and everywhere I am. I'm not going to say I get it right all the time. But it meant a lot to me when one of the folks that works under me stopped by and said, thank you for being a godly boss. I had missed that since their previous boss. And and that meant a lot to me. And I said, I sure am trying. I hope. And I think one of the greatest honors we could have in life is to be considered godly, Christ-like. That's what Christian means is the idea to be Christ-like. And regardless of what people say, regardless of what they may say, there is always an expectation of some of your most notable positions in life. When people, they may make the same, well, I don't care what they do, that's their life. But if they're in a position, there's a certain amount of expectation that we, we, we expect from them. We expect a certain livelihood, a certain... We, we, you see a law officer, you expect a certain amount of professionalism. That's why when a law officer loses his temper, it's all over social media, it's all over the news. The good that happened that he did two weeks before is not, but the moment that they break cross the line of expectation, you see it. We're going to have an expectation of the President of the United States of America. I imagine if he stood up to address the public in Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt, we would struggle with that. And you say, oh, that'd be okay. We need a more laid back. There would still be a great struggle in our nation for that in the respect of the world. Because we have an expectation. We have an expectation of a pastor and of a Sunday school teacher and a deacon. And regardless of what we say, we, we understand we're still talking about human people. But because of the office and the position that they carry and the responsibility, we in a lot of ways demand a certain level of living. You don't want anybody, just anybody, to pastor your family. You want a man that's separated and set apart. You don't want just anybody patrolling the security of your home and your neighborhood. You want law officers that have set themselves apart. You don't want just anybody leading the nation. You want somebody that's willing to set themselves apart. And my concern today for Christianity is that it is being diluted to a less than acceptable biblical standard. You take the Christian today and look at the standards that they follow in their life, and you can say it's been diluted. You take the TV show from years ago, and you can see a level of standard in living and behavior that you do not see today. 
And we expect people in a great position to hold a certain level of living, but I'm concerned that that doesn't seem to be in place for just the Christian. I have to remind you that before I'm a preacher today, I'm a Christian. Before I ever accepted a role of a youth pastor, I became a Christian. Before I ever filled and preached to bus kids on a Sunday morning, I was a Christian. Before I would ever stand before a Sunday school class and teach them lessons from the Bible, I was a Christian first. And we made much out of the position and were failing to put the emphasis on the Christianity and our Christ-likeness. And the fact that everything about us should be different. I say today, when you see the average Christian, our actions don't exalt Christ. Our actions don't exalt Christ. We'll fly off the handle, run our mouth, and and show ourselves, if you will, on the job, at school, wherever, never to exalt Christ. May I say our dress does not distinguish that we're different. God still has a standard for His people. I still believe the Word of God is applicable today as it was years ago. And I still think there's a holy God that expects His people to be different. May I say our conversation doesn't convict, but it confuses. We're talking about the conversation of the Christian. And I believe the separation of the Christian isn't just one thing by any means, but it's multiple things that complement each other and work together to exalt Christ. What I I mean by that is this. We're going to talk about the conversation tonight, but I want to say that it's a multiple things of our living and our lives. For example, our conversation, our dress, our actions, our walk, our behavior. Everywhere we go, everything works together in our life as a Christian, if we're living a separated life, to exalt Jesus Christ. You know, we may dress the part, but if we're cussing, no matter what we have on, they're not going to hear when we try to talk about Christ. Now may I say, just the, the, the tables turn. We may talk the part, but if we dress like the world, you're not going to have the respect of the people to hear that you have something to offer because there's not been enough to change you. And there's many other aspects, our music and so many things that contribute to the Christian life. Matthew 12, 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. That's challenging to me. The idle conversation is what God is watching. The idle conversation. That, that when we don't think the pastor's around, when nobody's listening, when we're talking with our co-worker about the other co-worker, that. That's what we'll give an account for. May I say our conversation is going to be one of the greatest mouthpieces for Christianity. And yes, there is a pun intended. Our, our, our conversation is going to be the greatest mouthpiece for Christianity. Because of what people hear. I want to remind you what the Word of God says. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Will anybody come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ by our conversation? That's my challenge tonight for us as Christians. And it must be mentioned. 
It must be mentioned in the day that we live. Years and years ago, conversation was your verbal talk. Maybe a handwritten letter once in a while. But I think in the technological age that we live in, it must be addressed. Because I see so often, I think the next generation has excused biblical standards because of social media. And it probably sounds like I'm against social media, and I'm really not. But our communication on social media is communication. Our conversation in our private messenger is the same as if we had said it. It must be mentioned that Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all the other social email, and whatever the avenues that are today in our technological advanced society, texting, all of that is our conversation. And the tragedy is, because of all of the avenues of secret messaging, the private messages on social media, the text messages that are never monitored by parents, and all of the avenues and the secret emails and the incognito Google Chrome browsers, because of all of those things, we can live two-sided in the front of the people, our, the next generation, and even moms and dads in person and in church. Their communication is, as you would expect, biblical, and they'll maintain a standard. But in their private time, and in their social media, and in their communications, it's less than biblically standard. And so tonight as we address the conversation of the Christian, we must we must understand it's more than just what flows out of our mouth. But it is some of what flows from our hands. We'll talk more about it in a little bit. The idea is that we should be a Christian in our verbal communication, but also in all forms of communication. Before we send that nasty email, we should ask Christ if He would be exalted by such. We should carefully select, share, and post things that exalt Christ. Carefully. Carefully. And I'm just going to be very candid today, as I am on social media, and I do see some of the things that are shared by people, and I question and say, did they look at that before they liked it? Did they review that title of the page that they liked before they shared it before the world? And there's a holy God, I believe, in heaven saying, now, when you get on there and say, oh boy, my, my choir at the church was singing this song, and the post below it has curse words in it. We're causing confusion with our communication. We're not convicting with our communication because there's no standard anymore, and we've diluted it so we can live comfortably. We need a level of holiness and separation that is slowly slipping away. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I believe that God still expects separation from His people. I believe God expects it. I don't believe it's a request. I don't believe it's something He hopes for. I believe the day that we bow and we, we bow our unworthy head and our heart before a holy God and we ask Him to come in and to wash away our sin and to renew our heart in Him and we're birthed into the family of God. I believe at that moment, as we carry the name of Christian, God looks at us and says, I have a different expectation for you. Now the sad thing is we understand as a baby in Christ, we understand there will be slip-ups. 
My question comes with those that have been saved 10 and 20 and 30 years and we, walk, we don't walk any different, we don't dress any different, we don't talk any different and we wonder why we struggle and why the cause of Christ is battled in our nation. I saw today that I think a chaplain is being removed from position because he told somebody he was praying for them. What if we were done playing Christianity and our conversation was such that that person had gotten saved somewhere before that chaplain ever crossed paths? And our world is literally going to hell while we casually converse. Alan Dumel said, you have no authority to tell others to walk the Christian walk if your footprints are found in the world's pathway. You have no authority to tell others to walk the Christian walk if your footprints are found in the world's pathway. Let's look at the Christian conversation tonight and really see what does God expect. The conversation and the speech of the Christian is addressed quite often throughout the Scriptures. I want to take you to a passage, 1 Timothy 4.12, as we finish the introduction. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Notice what it says next. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I want to point out, when he's talking about being an example of the believers, the first thing he talks about is the word and conversation. He doesn't talk about the charity, the spirit, and the faith and purity. He addresses our words and our conversation first and foremost. And I believe that's with a purpose. Because when this isn't right, no, no act of charity, no, no good deed is going to overrule what comes out of our mouth. What we say is a lot more important than what we give credit for. I believe it's twofold when we're talking about the importance of the Christian's conversation. I think we're being an example to the lost. I think that's common sense. I think that makes practical Christian living is that there are lost people in this world that need to see something different. And I believe God has put us here, saved us, so we can be that example. But then not only is it um, a purpose of an example to the lost, but notice the, the word that was used, but be thou an example of the believers. Not to the believers. They don't need an example. They're already believers. But of the believers. We are an example of the whole name and the collective body of Christ. Of the believers. Any parent can relate and know when your children that carry your last name do something that embarrasses you, it bothers you. Because they're a part of the family and you have an expectation that they will be an example of the family. And you don't act like a Yahoo and you don't think they should. And I think just likewise, the day that we bowed and we became a part of the family of God, God looks down and says, you now carry my name, you now are identified in Christ, now walk circumspectly, walk therein, because you are the example of the believers. We should represent a common cause and purpose, and that is Jesus 
Jesus, Jesus. I used to be, as a, when we first started going on youth trips, and, and I was trying to be Mr. Spiritual Youth Leader and pastor, whatever, you know, just trying to be, have them in the right way. And I would talk to them about the standards. And I'd say, now listen, you're representing the church. We're riding the church van. There's Solid Rock Baptist Church down the side of it. Used to have Jesus saved on the back. And I'd say, make sure you represent the church well. Now, that sounds all good and fine. But you know what I learned? If you'll teach them to represent Christ well, they'll represent the church well. And so now when we talk, I say represent Jesus. Don't forget you're in the church van, so don't be smoking out the window. But remember, you're representing Christ. That's why we travel with our church standard. That's why we still meet the dress standard of what God would be pleased by. And can I tell you, we've had a pastor stop us and thank us for watching our young people unload in the parking lot of Chick-fil-A. Unload there. And he said, you know, it's good to see young people dress well. Because there ought to be something different. There ought to be something different. And that purpose should be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Number one, I believe we should converse the gospel. We should converse the gospel. Philippians 1.27 Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want to tell you, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you can remember those three things, you can converse the gospel. You can remember the fact that Jesus Christ died to wash away the sins of a lost, hell-bound, stricken world, and He wants to save that individual. You can converse the gospel. You You can converse the fact that after His death, He was buried in a borrowed tomb because he wouldn't need it and three days later he would rise again and we would be and we would have the life we have today and Christianity would be what it is because of a resurrected Savior we, we should converse the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ we should as Christians be willing to tell others about him we must strive I want to say it's not easy for the faith of the gospel it is not easy and if you've ever put your church tracts in your pocket and felt the nudge and had your argument with God of why you should not approach that person, you understand that striving is not easy. Now if you've never walked by and got a track and put it in your pocket, you won't understand that feeling. But if you've ever had that feeling when God picks out the biggest dude in the restaurant with tattoos and a thousand earrings that rode up on a motorcycle and says, go talk to him about me. <laughs> and you're like, uh, you sure, Lord, do we need to be doing that? Let me just drop it right here. I'm sure he's going to get him a refill. And you walk out. But the striving for the gospel, we should as Christians converse the gospel. Can I say you can't converse the gospel if you're conversing garbage. You can't stand around and tell the dirty jokes and converse the gospel. We must converse the gospel. Not only should we converse the gospel, we should converse without coveting. We should converse without coveting. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The word covet has the idea to desire or wish for, with eagerness to desire earnestly to obtain or possess in a good sense, to desire inordinately to desire that which is unlawful to obtain or possess in a bad sense. Coveting 
is wanting what somebody else has. And if you listen, our talk, and I can say I'm guilty of our conversation being distorted and turned because of what somebody else may have. Our conversation should be without covetousness. Our conversation should be about Christ. Notice the passage ended there in Hebrews, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Be content with such things as you have. I believe when our conversation is filled with covetousness, I believe we hurt Christ. I believe He just wants us to be content with Him. I know my prayer in the latter days has been, God, help me to have a desire for you that's greater than anything else I desire. And it's amazing as you begin to pray that, what God will do in your life. May my desire for Christ be such that my conversation will be without covetousness. We should converse the gospel. We should converse without covetousness. May I say we should converse briefly. Matthew 5.37 says, But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Very simply, yes and no. We should be very careful in our responses to others. I would say every one of us in here have seen the evil that's come by not keeping our mouth shut. I think we have all experienced the times that we've kept rambling. Perhaps even the Holy Spirit saying, that's enough, that's enough. And we've kept rambling and we've hurt someone. That we love dear. I think we've all experienced the times we've discouraged someone because we've not conversed briefly. And we've all experienced getting in trouble because we've not kept our conversation brief. Some things just don't have to be said. I believe someone was telling me they had a quote that said, just because it crosses my mind doesn't mean it must cross my lips. Our conversation should be brief because God has commanded it to be such. Yea, yea, nay, nay. We should converse the gospel. We should converse without covetousness. We should converse briefly. We should converse without corruption. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I want you to point out a very simple word, no. Let no corrupt communication. Not even a little bit. Now the word corrupt has the idea of dishonesty or dishonor. You do not have to go very far into the world to see corrupt communication. If you work a public job, you've seen it. Some people will, will title it diplomacy and been diplomatic, and no doubt there's part of that that's accurate, and you, you should use diplomacy at times. But when that diplomacy leads you to a level of corruption where dishonest and dishonorable communication is there, that's the line. The Bible said, no corrupt communication. We as Christians should have a different talk. We shouldn't be in the gossip cliques. There shouldn't be a question of whose side we're on. We're hurting the name of Christ because we want, we, in the name of diplomacy or trying to be nice, whatever, if we were real honest deep inside, we had that little tug of dishonesty. And our communications become corrupt. God says, let no corrupt communication. There's no place for dishonesty in the conversation of the Christian.
but that which is good to the use of edifying. We see a contrast between the dishonesty and the corruptness or the edifying. We all know the people that can encourage us, uplift us. They're usually very honest and upright people. The ones that are dishonest and corrupt in their talk, they're not very encouraging. We should converse cleanly. Number five, we should converse cleanly. Colossians 3.8 But now you also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. And then notice, filthy communication out of thy mouth. That word filthy has the meaning dirty, foul, unclean, nasty, polluted, defiled by sinful practices, morally impure. I just want to be honest and just candid today and say, we as Christians should have a clean talk. All filthy communication, all all filthy talk, there's no place for it in our mouth. And it's alarming to me how many Christians I hear so-claimed Christians that will not only hear the dirty jokes, but will tell them. Can I just tell you, you are destroying the cause of Christ while you sit around and laugh and joke and poke and your, and your, your, your dirty jokes and your dirty language. You are destroying the cause of Christ. There's a reason that God said, put off all Filthy communication. Let no corrupt communication. Because God understands the fact we can't let a little bit of it in because that little bit will defile the rest. A little leaven, leaven the whole lump. And God realized that even just a tiniest little bit, somebody that is on the edge of whether Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Someone that is borderline between hell and heaven. It may be that one time that you slip up that keeps them from coming to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because we practice it day in and day out. Oh, it's all right. I'm just being honest. I am who I am. Maybe Jesus needs to make a change in your heart. A genuine, genuine change. But we should converse cleanly. And then may I say we should converse holy. H-O-L-Y, holy. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as He which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. The word holy has the idea to be hallowed, consecrated, or set apart to a sacred use, or to the service or worship of God. You cannot be holy in speech and have worldly speech at the same time. You know, your amens and your praises to Jesus will mean a lot more when all of your speech is holy? Do you realize that in the church house, the God that sees your praise before man, same God that saw you at work that day? In all manner of conversation, be ye holy. I see the mandate of holiness. There's a mandate of holiness. It's not an option. Be ye holy, for I am holy. It's not an option for the Christian. It's not that we get to be a Christian and then decide what level we want to achieve. It's not karate, you don't earn up to belts. It is Christianity. And God says, be ye holy, 
for I am holy. And all manner of conversation. Not some. Not only at church. Not just so you can stand and teach your Sunday school class. But so that the lost man on the street could be saved from your communication. The mandate of holiness. God expects holiness from His people. And we should stop excusing it. Stop making excuses of why we're not holy and get holy. God mandates holiness. I want to say I understand we live in a different age. We live in a different time. I get it. I understand that our world is crazy. And that some of the things we see, we would think we would never have saw same-sex marriage and sodomy. I understand all of that. But can I say that the Word of God is still the same? That Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He looks at His people and He expects no less than a standard of holiness from us. The world does not dictate. And the world should not be our picture and our pattern, but He is our pattern. And our conversation is far from holy. Far from holy. Not only is there a mandate of holiness, there is a manner of holiness. That's all conversation. This Bible was written. If you notice the word, it says all manner of conversation. Now I want to remind you, when that was written, there wasn't Facebook. There wasn't, there wasn't the email. There wasn't texting. There wasn't Twitter, there wasn't Instagram and Snapchat and all of this other social media and avenues. It's pretty much straightforward communication. But I love the wording that God used. And what a prime example that the Word of God is still applicable in its standard wording. All manner of conversation. You just have to think that maybe God had an idea that we would have other avenues of conversation in 2018. And that the manner of holiness is in every level of communication. Now I want to close with one last point. We will converse our heart. Matthew 12, 34. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. What do you talk about, dear Christian? What do we talk about? That is your heart. You'll see, first of all, there's the inflow of information. Stuff gets to our hearts. The Bible talks about the abundance. The abundance is an overflow. In order to get to that point, there had to be an inflow. Stuff gets to our heart. Music, TV, books, anything that goes into our mind and our heart. And I've always found it interesting that we as people, God created us with two inlets. Our ears, that that we hear, that that we give ear to, the shows we watch, Can I tell you something? If you watch stuff with cussing and cursing, guess what? You'll cuss eventually. If you watch and you hear the dirty jokes, you will tell them eventually. If you listen to the rock music and the the wrong that we know by God's biblical standard is not for the Christian, you will eventually converse it. You cannot take two inlets 
And it not force out one inlet a lot quicker. Then we see the storage of information. Again, we said the abundance. That's a great plenty and overflowing quantity. In order to get to the part of the abundance, the overflowing of information. And I, and I will say with you, one show maybe won't mess you up, one song, but the problem is you won't stop there. And that one, you will eventually take that and you'll stack and you'll stack. Eventually you will bring the point of abundance and that leads us from the inflow to the storage of information to the outflow. And that is what is harming Christianity. The mouth speaketh. Your mouth will reveal your Christianity. May it challenge us that our conversation be the conversation of a Christian. Preacher. Let's all stand there and head down there with eyes closed. Amen. What a message. What a message. What a true message. How is your conversation? Now, I'm not asking you to consider someone else. That's their conversation. I'm not asking you to use the excuse tonight, well, so-and-so makes me mad. So-and-so does this. No. What is your conversation? Is it portray Christianity? Is it godly in its fashion? Do those around you, by your speech, I was thinking while he was a preaching there, I went and visited a lady in the hospital one time, and I was in the room next to her room. I wasn't even in her, 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 her room. I got done that visit. When I got to the door, she hollered. She said, come here. I went in, she said, you're Pastor Steins, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I heard you. On, I hear you every day on the radio. I recognized your voice. Do those around you recognize a voice of a Christian? <laughs> 